Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining us today is fiduciary money manager, financial advisor, financial planner, and owner and CEO of Platner Asset Management, Brandon Platner. Thank you for joining me, Brandon, and my, you have a lot of titles. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And yes, it's been a lot of work over the years, but it's been a lot of fun uh, through the process. Can't wait to have you share all of the fun and in reality, any of the uh, obstacles that you've experienced along the way, because it's important for them to hear about those too. So I'd love to start the podcast out with starting right at the beginning of your journey. Tell the audience How did you get to where you are today? Where did you start and what attracted you to do what you're so successfully doing today? Well, it's an interesting story. I grew up in a very conservative church when I was younger, and there was a lot of business people and farmers and entrepreneurs all around me. And so I started to study the art and science of money. When I was 12 years old, I started working in our family business, an insulation business, and I was up in attics, insulating in the very, very hot days of the summer while my friends were out enjoying their time. And if you're ever lacking motivation or seeking some guidance in your life, go into your attic when it's 110 degrees outside. And I promise you, you'll find some clarity. So while I was up there insulating through from when I was 12 to 18 years old, I really started studying at 14 years old, the financial markets. I started looking at the commodities markets, uh, the equities markets. I looked at the bond market, diversified assets, and really started to focus at 18 years old. I opened up my first trading slash investing accounts. I opened up a commodities trading account, and then I opened up a equities account. And I really cut my teeth trading commodities. I learned in futures markets and Forex. I learned the long side of it, the short side of it. I learned options, calls, and puts, and various strategies. And I took those strategies and I developed a proprietary system that I utilize today in my practice. So when uh, basically when I was 18, I started in this, that was the year 1997. And it was at the end or the latter part of the tech bubble and then in 2000, when the markets, the equity market started to roll over, I made some adjustments, uh, did very well uh, doing that, got into some short-term bonds, protected some assets. And then in 2004, I got recruited to Morgan Stanley. Uh, Morgan Stanley was a great firm, but again, they have, being their corporate America, they have some things that they want us to push to clients. And so I was very focused on being financially independent and have financial independence to do what is truly right for our clients. And so in 2010, January of 2010, I joined Cambridge and I am so thankful to be part of the Cambridge family and thankful to be where I'm at today with you all. And you're doing a great job as a CEO. And I hope you know that. And I I know you know that. So thank you for what you do. Well, thank you. Um, So I always even though there's those of you that I consider very dear friends and you and your beautiful wife, Wong, are up on that list. I didn't know you started when you were 12, but I have to say 
I always learn something new. And that particular fact, while really cool, is not surprising to me because you are super innovative. And we at Cambridge have been very blessed with being able to explore innovation with you. So I love that story. I Some people end up here in the, you know, call it the middle of their life accidentally. And it sounds like this was your journey uh, from the very beginning in one way, shape or form, right? You were going to find your way there. Yes. And as I learned what those were in my life, God called me into this practice and I'm so thankful and into this profession. It's a very noble profession where we're helping so many people in this life. And I'm very honored to be part of it. That's great. Well, that's a great segue. Let's talk about Platner Asset Management, what it looks like, you know, what's the structure and maybe more importantly, what are the kind of clients that you work with? What's the ideal client for you? So Platner Asset Management really is a full service uh, money management fee-based fiduciary firm. So I'm 100% fee-based. I don't do any brokerage business. Um, It truly is about financial planning, sitting down with a client, understanding their net worth, assets versus liabilities, understanding you know, what they spend on an annual basis, what their expenses are, and then ultimately where their incomes come from uh, while they're working or, or into the future, into retirement. And once we have those four elements, we can draft a true financial plan for them and, and really identify their long-term goals based on the 4% rule and some basic financial planning things that we all should know about if you're listening to this podcast, my friends. So uh, it's exciting work. I would say my, um, my average client, oh, let me back up real quick. So as far as how the firm is structured, I am the uh, owner of Platinum Asset Management. It is an LLC. And then I do utilize Cambridge Source, which kudos to Cambridge for this. They're top notch in this area. But to have people that we can rely on to do some of our back office work and some of our paperwork and shout out to Monica Rogers. She's a rock star and I'm super, super thankful to have her in my practice. So uh, she does a lot with me, but it's a very efficient firm. We use a lot of technology. I am a major technology guy. Uh, That is one thing that I do not hesitate to spend money on and invest in. Because with technology, we can do so much more with our time and leverage our our capabilities. Uh, As far as my ideal client, I live in Peoria, Illinois. So I am classic Midwestern boy, if you will, born and raised here. And I really love the conservative Midwestern values. Uh, I deal with a lot of business owners. I deal with a lot of farming clients. Um, I deal with, you know, people that really take financial planning seriously and that are looking, they have high standards. I'm looking for clients that have high personal standards that want to leave a legacy for their family, to their children and to their grandchildren. And uh, I've I'm, I'm been so fortunate to attract a lot of, of those great people in my practice. And to the, any client that's listening to this podcast, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on this journey with me and allowing me the opportunity to do the things that I do for you in this business. And I am truly humbled and honored uh, to share in your, in your process. So those are what I look for. Just great, good, conservative clients. I'm a huge fan and that's how I walk my life as well. I'm going to unpack a few things there. Um, Generational planning. So as you just described that, it occurred to me, there are some people who 
formalize the generational planning approach with clients that you're describing. Um, and then others that, uh, you know, maybe the introduction comes at a later time, you know, that the, the, a lot of the, what I find to be the maybe first generation sometimes don't want their children involved in anything until, you know, some set period of time. How are you working with that? Do you have a formal process? Do you encourage it? Do you just go with the flow? It's a great question. So everything that I do in my practice is very formalized. Um, everything is very process and data driven. Uh, and I say this a lot to people. My clients don't pay me to have an opinion. My clients pay me to follow the data, period, right? And so everything I do is very data-driven and very process-driven. So yes, uh, through our introductory meetings and through our consequent annual visits and the things that we do going forward, um, it is brought up. And it is a case-by-case -case basis, depending on the client's comfortable, you know, how comfortable they are with that process and how much they want their children or grandchildren to know. But yes, as they do get older, uh, we push harder and harder on them if they haven't already to bring them into what they possibly may inherit. Because, you know, a person is only able to accept what they're ready for. And if a child isn't ready to inherit the kingdom of their family, so to speak, it could be very uh, tragic and um, not something you want to see happen. So we have to prepare along the, the way. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Brandon, I know you talked a little bit about your tech stack. I have two questions there. Um, one is kind of back a little bit more related to how you interact with your clients, but did you find that your clients change the way they want to work with you, whether it be technologically or face-to-face -face, over the last couple of years? Have things moved either at the beginning or started to come back? Like I explained to the, to the listeners what your experience has been as it relates to face-to-face -to -face versus virtual, really. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So I have clients, uh, I've been fortunate, I'm super blessed to have clients all over the country, right? So I am physically in Peoria, Illinois, but I have clients all around the country and I'm licensed in all 50 states and four territories. So we're around the gamut there. So with COVID and with, um, you know, the adjustments uh, that some people went through, all of us went through, frankly. Um, yes, I am a technology guy, uh, like I said earlier. So it was very easy for me to uh, utilize Zoom and, and continue to utilize Zoom, which I was doing prior even. And so for me, the transition wasn't big or, or uh, you know, earth shattering. But yes, the clients have been very receptive of that. I will also tell you, though, this business for real is eyeball to eyeball and kneecap to kneecap. You can hear my voice and you can feel my tone, but you don't see my body language. You don't see the way I'm sitting. You don't see my posture in this podcast. And when you sit face to face with someone, you feel their energy. And when you're talking about something as sacred as their financial planning, which is I mean, basically, you have to have your spiritual life in order. Then you have to have your health in order. But right there is your financial life. It's like oxygen. We need it to survive. And so when you're dealing with something this intense, it's very important to really see and feel the aura of the person you're taking financial advice from. 
Dave Ramsey, I'm a huge Dave Ramsey guy. I'll get into that in a minute. But Dave Ramsey has often said, don't take financial advice from broke people. And I have worked very hard to not be that person, right? And I've been very blessed to say I'm not the broke person. So, um, you know, when you're sitting there with someone face-to-face, eyeball to eyeball, kneecap to kneecap, it is, uh, it's very intense. So long story short, business is coming back to the office as I think it should. I agree. I think I've been on record at many different, uh, maybe not always popular, but on record at many different times saying this business is about a face-to-face relationship um, for all the reasons that you just described. So thank you for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about risk versus reward in building a business, any business going out on your own. I know you started early, but, um, you know, and so maybe you looked at risk differently as, you know, in your twenties than maybe you do today, but there's always risk to taking on new endeavors, starting a new journey. What are the things you leaned on for confidence? And inevitably you had to maybe had some doubts or run into some obstacles along the way. Talk about them and how you got through them. So I appreciate that question. So let's start with um, risk, right? So I think the biggest risk in life is staying stationary. Because if we're not moving forward in life and we're not pushing ourselves, we're simply sliding backwards in in, in relative terms to our peers. And so there is risk in doing nothing, right? Now, yes, there is risk in anything that we do in life, but we have to weigh the reward, right? And so you focus on where you want to go versus the crash landing that could happen. And if you take the necessary and proper calculations and precautions, uh, generally you'll go a lot further than you think you're gonna land, right? Aim for the stars and you land on the moon, so to speak. And so risk for me has been something I've always known. I said, I started really paper trading and, and, and doing this stuff when I was 14. And by the time I was 18, which has basically been my adult life, uh, this is really all I know. Now, I will tell you a huge thing for me was in January, 2010, when I jumped off the side of a mountain, leaving my pretty sound practice, which was doing very well and making that leap and not knowing if my clients would follow, not knowing if they saw enough value in what I brought to the table, hoping and praying they did. And I will tell you, they all followed me and they did see value in what I brought to the table. And to each one of those clients, again, I know some of you are going to listen to this and I am just so grateful because you allowed me to continue to share and help so many other families across the country and allow me to live the journey that I'm on and and fulfill my purpose. So thank you. Thank you. Sincerely, thank you for for being with me through this process. But again, with risk, uh, it is a lot of times worth it to push yourself further than you think you can go. Growth happens outside of your comfort zone. I agree. Um, I think that's great advice. And often maybe the hardest thing to do for an individual because they get to that uncomfortable state and taking that that next step. Um, I call it preparing for the worst and expecting the best. When my kids were growing up and they were struggling with some decision, 
I would talk to them about, let's talk about what the worst thing is that could happen. And if we can live with that and plan for it, then you should take the risk. Absolutely. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's those kind of things that, you know, hopefully people who are thinking about getting into our business get a little bit of confidence from hearing that it doesn't go smoothly for every single person that takes that leap. Uh, congratulations on 100% of your clients following. But I think in that situation, even if 70% of them follow, we think that's a win. Uh, it's it's still worth making and taking that risk. So let's go a little bit deeper on those who might be thinking about joining this noble industry, as you called it, noble profession. What other advice would you give them? And I know you wanted to talk a little bit about your business process with uh, Dave Ramsey, and, and maybe that's part of the advice of how to construct a business. So share, please. Well said, well said. You laid right into it. So this business is so dynamic, and there's so much going on all the time, right? So there's never a day that is dull or the same. You're meeting with clients all the time, and you're going behind the curtain, right? There's the public persona of a person, but then there's the real life behind the curtain. And when you get behind the curtain and you're trustworthy enough as an individual to allow a family to come in and share all of their struggles, their fears, their joys, their victories, and you can walk alongside of them, it is just so inspiring. Now, with that, this is important. Listen closely. Any of you aspiring financial professionals, listen closely. You individually have to be the best you can be. You need to constantly be feeding your mind with positive information and inspirational information, whether it's Tony Robbins. I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins. Shout out to Tony. I've been to many of his live events. Legit. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Dave Ramsey. I was a smart investor pro for years. I'm a uh, master financial coach with Dave Ramsey. I've been reading his books for Oh, man, since I was 16 years old, a huge fan. Robert Kiyosaki, Susie Orman, there's so many great thought leaders out there today that you need to tap into. Instead of watching Netflix or watching television or listening to music or whatever you may be doing, playing video games or whatever it may be, you need to really focus and channel your energy and your time. Your most valuable asset is time. You need to focus your time on becoming a better, more complete human being, being a good husband, a good wife, a good father, a good mother, being a good you know, financial professional and having a lot to offer to your clients is so critically important. Once you build yourself, you have to learn how to communicate and share all the insight that's been poured into you. You have to share that with the people around you. And again, it is truly inspirational. It is, uh, it's just a beautiful thing to help others along this journey we call life. And yes, there are struggles. Yes, there are hard times, but through them, it makes us stronger, right? Strong, or let's go this way. Like good times make weak people. Good times, so many good times make people soft and weak, but Hard times, hard times, whatever they may be, you rise up, you pick up, and you make yourself stronger. So through the struggles of life, we find our strength, and it makes us and shapes us into who we are to this very day, and it helps us grow into the next version of ourselves. So if you're a financial aspiring financial advisor, and you're wanting to get in this business with passion 
and with joy, focus on being the best you can be and share that and pour that into others. Great advice. Thank you for that. If they could only see the fact that your body language is jumping through the camera and in out of the little box that I see you on, um, they I'm sure they can feel it to your point in the voice, but I'm trying to paint the picture of how passionate you are about these things. So um, thank you very much for being so passionate. That's what makes you great at what you do. That's for sure. Thank you. You've actually helped Cambridge a lot as well. You do great work for your clients, but you've also done great things for your peers here at Cambridge in being a member of our New Century Council for many, many years. For those of you out there that aren't familiar with it, um, the New Century Council is uh, about 12 years old. It's a group of our financial professionals who give us the time to provide insight on what the future looks like and what we should be focused on. And we've really appreciated all of the contributions over the many years you've served, for sure, Brandon. Talk about what you think the global broad industry could do better to attract those people that you and I hope are listening to you right now, um, that next generation of financial professionals. What does the industry have to do? It's a great, great question. And it's a loaded question because there's so much that goes into that. So first of all, I want to say thank you for allowing me to be part of the Cambridge story and working with the New Century Council, which shout out and props to all the New Century Council members. They truly are some of the state of the art, cutting edge forward thinkers uh, in our industry. And they're thinking about the future and what it looks like and what technologies and what financial products and what financial solutions we're going to need to offer for the next generation. So proud of them. Shout out to them. Hats off to all of them. As far as what our industry can do to continue to attract talent, I think the colleges and the universities of today now are a lot more into financial planning than when I was going through school. That wasn't really that popular back then or not even really talked about, frankly. And so I had to do a lot of self-learning. I'm kind of from the old school and I'll, I'm 43 years old currently, just so the listeners have a frame of reference into what I'm talking about here. 43 years old. And when I got into this business, it was truly kind of throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall in as far as new advisors and see what sticks, right? And so I happen to be one of the advisors that stuck and I made a go of it. I learned how to communicate. I had passion for what I was doing. I understood the markets on a very, very deep level. And uh, clients saw that and jumped on board and, and it went from there. I just don't know that that model is going to work going forward. Cutting your own teeth from ground zero is incredibly tough. It's like a rocket launching off of, a, off of Earth, off of a space pad, and launching with all this force and all this thrust, just going full bore until it gets up into orbit. And finally, when it gets up into orbit, all I got to do is hit a little air chambers and, psh, 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 and move myself around very easily in a gravity, you know, with no gravity around me. But it's very, very different in today's environment. So what regulations, the challenges, uh, the do not calls, the, the robo advisors, all of these things that are now available. I really do believe that the next generation needs to partner with 
somebody or a group of people that have already been in this business and that are maybe, and, and you know this just as well as I do, we're all getting older every day. We're all racing through this time continuum at the same pace. And there are a lot of men and women, great men and women in this business that are going to retire and age out. And these clients and their families still need financial planning and financial advice. And so if, if we can get the next generation to come in and learn and be mentored without ego and without their own agenda, but just pure of heart, come in and be mentored and learn this business. We can definitely attract great people. And this business is cr incredibly rewarding personally, right? You go home at night and you, you lay your head on your pillow and you just feel accomplished and thankful that you've contributed to society and you've contributed to mankind. That is, that is so, you can't put a price tag on that. But let me also say, if you are a very good financial planner, and if you're a good money manager and you really understand asset management, you can make a really great financial life too. Now, money is not all. Money is not everything. But let me tell you, money's real nice to have. I, you know, at some points in my life, I didn't have a lot of money. And I'll tell you, having it is a lot better than not. And so I don't want to use money as a motivating factor only because that's foolish. But I will tell you, if you find passion in this business, you will be rewarded appropriately. We charge a fair and reasonable fee for the amount of time and skill required for the financial planning services we provide. That's exactly what we do. Fair and reasonable for the amount of time and skill required to do what we do on a daily basis. Brandon, have you ever brought an intern in to your environment um, or done any of the, any work with that? Has it, you know, have there been different models or have you had any success with it? It's a great question. And uh, no, I haven't done much internship stuff. Uh, I have mentored a couple of people over the years, um, shared with them some of my insights. Uh, I'm currently as again, 43, as I said earlier. And so I plan on doing this business till I'm 60. Uh, physically, I could actually retire now based off budgets and the 4% rule. But I, again, I, I still have work to do in this life and I have people to serve and people to help. And so um, at some point, maybe when I'm 55 years old, I will try to find two or three 25, 30 year olds that I can mentor and train for five years and then maybe transition the business to. Um, exactly what I was just saying about how we get the next generation in. And, and again, there's so many of those opportunities in this business. Uh, you know, the young generation just needs to step up and see the value in what we can do. And it's tremendous. Uh, so, but no, as far as interns, no, I can't say that uh, I've done much of that. I am a pretty private guy. I don't do many public interviews. And in fact, I don't do any public interviews. So this very thing that we're doing today is very out of my element, and I am intrigued by it. Um, I'm motivated by it, but uh, I'm, uh, I don't know, just uh, on, on the edge here. So growth comes from being outside your comfort zone. So here I am. 
I am honored that uh, you decided Cambridge Stronger podcast was one of the places you were going to stretch. So thank you. I, I do think that our listeners can, again, um, just hear how special this industry can be as it relates to making a difference in someone's life from you and, and the things that you're sharing. So um, you're doing you're doing good work here for someone. I know it. Well, I appreciate that. And I pray that your listeners, all of them, can find you know some benefit from this hour they're sharing with us and that if you're on the edge and you're wanting to make that next step in whatever it is and say go after it my friend let's go right so let's see where the future takes us that's right i'm going to come back to one tactical question for you we, you talked about how tech oriented you are and it's i think from my outside observation the focus that you've put into building an efficient tech stack is what allows you to work as independently as you do in so many ways. If there were maybe two type, two pieces of technology, two systems um, that you use that you think made the biggest difference for you along the way, can you share those with somebody to take a look at? It's a great question. So my craft, my craft is technical analysis. And there's fundamental analysts, there's technical analysts. I am a technical analyst. So I study chart data all the time. I live it, I eat it, I breathe it, I sleep it. I, I'm a chart guy. So for me, having a great chart set is incredibly important. Now, I clear my custodian is TD Ameritrade Institutional, uh, which has now been acquired by Schwab. And so Schwab has a platform called Thinkorswim, and I utilize some of their advanced charting technology. Now, I told you earlier, I was a commodity trader since 18 years old. That's also where I lost all my hair. Now, I know my viewers can, or your, your listeners out there cannot see my bald head, but I can assure you I am bald. So uh, through that, through those years of trading, and investing and learning these processes, uh, charting software was so incredibly important. So Thinkorswim has a tremendously deep, advanced, super advanced charting features in it. And I utilize them. I won't even say I utilize them to their fullest because uh, that would be foolish, but I utilize them thoroughly. Another thing that I, I love a lot, uh, I'm a very efficient man of time. I don't, we all have 24 hours in a day and, and you are a CEO of this wonderful company. And I know how intense that is on my level. I can't imagine what you have to do, but time management is huge. I run my day in 15 minute blocks and I use Redtail Technologies, which is a contact management system. And I block out my day in 15 minute intervals. I have meetings with my clients at 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 4 o'clock. At noon, I go to lunch. I'm in the office usually every morning by 9 o'clock. The market's open at 8.30. I have a home office, which is very elaborate. It's literally a duplication of what I have here in case, heaven forbid, a fire would happen here or a tornado or something. I wouldn't be down and out. I have backup plans. Again, I take this business so seriously. So I wake up in the morning early. I go outside. I work out. 
I might check the pre-markets, I check the markets, I take a shower, put on my suit, I'm in the office and meetings at 10 o'clock, lunch at noon with a client generally, two o'clock and four o'clock on my afternoon meetings. And then I try to get home and spend some time with my wife and uh, enjoy some of the the activities we do at night. So planning and discipline. That's what I just heard. That is so true. And discipline. And you just did, you just handed me the perfect segue to wrap this up. Um, Our listeners like to know that there is some downtime where we're not looking at technical analysis and charts and calendars. And I know that you do have some hobbies and interests and free time uh, that's very important in your life. So tell us what that is. Well, so for starters, my wife and I love to travel. So my wife and I have had so many great opportunities and had the pleasure to travel so many places on, on this planet. And there's many more to go for sure. But we've been to Europe. We've been to Spain and Portugal many times. We've been all through mainland Europe. Uh, in Portugal, I will say we love Portugal. It's just beautiful Algarve, the bottom portion there. Portugal has beautiful beaches and wonderful people. And so we've had some great times over there. We've been to Aruba. We've been to the Dominican Republic. We actually just got back from the Dominican Republic. We've been to Mexico. We've been to Jamaica. We've been all around this country with Cambridge and all the great conferences and all the great abilities to connect and, and re, you know, re-energize ourselves with our peers uh, through Cambridge's various uh, platforms has been wonderful. And so uh, we travel a lot. We also have two beautiful little chihuahuas, teacup chihuahua babies that I love very, very much. And so my wife and I do not have real physical human children, but we have our chihuahuas and we we love them very much. And so we enjoy a lot of our free time. I enjoy working out. Uh, I'm an outdoorsman. I love to fish uh, and I love to hunt. And uh, I'm a huge fan of the Second Amendment. I'm a, I am on a couple different trap teams. So I am a competitive trap and skeet shooter. And I guess some people would say I'm pretty good at it. I don't, you'd have to ask whoever, but yeah, I'm pretty good at it and I have some good averages. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed uh, watching and hearing about your traveling adventures. Um, you've been to some really beautiful places. So and I know you take advantage of those opportunities as you should. So thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, well, thank you for asking wonderful questions. And thank you for finding myself and Platinum Asset Management worthy of being on the, this podcast and the show with you. And again, to anyone that's listening, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I hope you found something valuable in this. And uh, you know, thank you again to all of my wonderful clients. I really, really appreciate each one of you. Thanks for being a part of Cambridge Stronger. Your partnership and your friendship mean a lot. And I hope to see you in person very soon. Yes. Well, thank you again. And also, I want to say major shout out to the home office. There's so many great people at Cambridge. And for anyone that's not affiliated with Cambridge and is thinking about coming to Cambridge, there's really good people. And we're thankful that you all do what you do every day. And so uh, thank you for being, uh, you know, being who you are and doing what you do. So thanks, Brandon. Thanks for trusting us. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest.
You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app.